is Nick and Matt Jackson. You're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Too sweet. Suck it. Welcome to an all-new episode of the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. It's Corey Richmond, joined by Jason Brooks. Jason, we've got a little something special this week. We're actually doing a, one of our favorite things, uh, interview. We have ROH Dojo prospect, uh, Rocco. You can check him out on Twitter, at Rocco Told You So, on Twitter, and I'm sure in all of social media. But uh, Rocco, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you for having me. It's uh, good to be here. <laughs> So um, Rocco, whose real name is Carl, we're, we're using his gimmick name to put him over <laughs> on this show. So oh, Carl's you're actually... me, right? Right before I start, right? <laughs> uh, so Carl's actually a buddy of mine uh, from uh, Rochester. Um, and he's been, you know, in the, with the JoJo, with Ring of Honor, trying to do his thing for a long time. And I thought it'd be a cool idea to kind of get him to tell him about his story and, and also to talk to people about perseverance and hard work and you know, busting your ass and trying to make a name for yourself, which I think Carl has really, really done. So, um, so Carl, I'll start off with this. What are you doing currently with Ring of Honor? Uh, what is, you know, I know you're in the dojo and you're, and you're learning and stuff like that, but tell us about some of the cool stuff that you're actually doing with them. So uh, on the Ring of Honor week by week, we just aired a series of commercials. We actually filmed those back in uh, January. Um, and, uh, the, the goal of that was to be, um, a kind of like a better call solve a commercial type of video, uh, type of videos there. Um, and so we filmed, uh, sorry, I got it here. All right. Go away. Okay, good. Zoom is bothering me. Um, so we showed up. So, uh, the trainers, they gave me kind of, um, that better call solve thing is kind of a template to go off of. And, um, so I, I did one, I, Put together one of the commercials and they got this like yeah we're gonna film a bunch of stuff like okay so that night i went back and i thought up three more uh so went to end of that dojo that day we filmed those four commercials those recently aired and then uh more recently i've been doing kind of some um uh pre-tape stuff like around the other uh workers uh and uh and wrestlers um and one of them aired recently it was i was with fred yehi or yeah i always say his name <laughs> i apologize and uh, Quinn McKay backstage, and there's some other stuff, so hopefully that'll be aired soon. Um, and just kind of right now, we're just really developing the character, trying to introduce the character out there, get that get that character out there. So hopefully, we get people back. You know, um, we can hit the ground running and get in there and uh, put some people over. Right? That's uh, it's always the goal. So yeah. now I'm gonna put you over here. Your your character is very entertaining. You've put a lot of stuff on, um, you know, Instagram in the past. Rocco told you so uh, for Instagram. And it's been some pretty entertaining stuff. And the things that you're doing with the Better Call Saul things kind of a little bit different than, you know, kind of what I've seen you do in the past. Uh, it's not as much uh, heelish. It's a little heelish, but not as much straight heelish, a little bit more comedy than you've right. done in the past. So this is your, you came up with all this stuff, all the stuff on your own? So, yeah. So kind of how it works is they have um, really talented crew, uh, camera crew down there and, um, and, so you typically come with your own ideas or you'll get an idea and, but really they want to see what you can do with the character. So Ring of Honor is very, is very free like that. Um, and they'll direct you. So I'll come up with an idea or if like in this case of Better Call Saul, they'll give me a template to work from and then I go and they'll give me suggestions and certain things if they, if they think something can be better, like it's a, it's a whole working pro progress, right? 
um, for the Better Call Saul stuff, like I was just working off the template and it came together pretty well, as you saw. I, th I think it did. And we, we had we had a lot of fun filming those. Um, uh, and but more recently with the backstage stuff, sometimes they'll give me an idea like, OK, I want to go do this. Um, other times I just run ideas by them. Sometimes I like them, sometimes I don't. Um, if they like an idea, they'll, they'll kind of they'll I'll go and I'll tell the guys, hey, this is what I want to do. And then they'll give me some direction and it'll make it even better than it was before. So really, it's just you have a lot of creative freedom at Ring of Honor. You have um, it, to, to kind of do your own thing, work within the template. And there's a lot of people there that really help to pop the characters out there and, and give them um, what you what the finished product, what you see. So, yeah. What is what was the I guess what was the biggest hurdle you think to making it at this point? Because I see so you've been doing this for a while and now you finally reached that point of working with and hopefully becoming a full time person at RH ROH at some point. But what do you think were the biggest hurdles getting to this? I uh, just, you know, that perseverance aspect, you know, growing up in Rochester, there, it, it, there are certain places where there are really defined wrestling schools. Like uh, the one I last time to, I got an opportunity over at the Monster Factory uh, over in New Jersey. Um, uh, there, there's places, I think um, uh, QT Marshall has his school down in uh, Atlanta. Then there's, you know, School 3D, there's MCW. If, if you live around those places, um, Maryland, Maryland Champions of Wrestling, sorry, those are the ones that I've been familiar with and exposed to. Uh, but if you live near an area where, where like a major school is or a well-known school is, that's very easy to go to. And because really um, getting ahead in resident is networking and making connections, right? Like going to those camps and seeing people and making your wrestling world a lot smaller. Because when, when you go and you expose yourself to a much larger audience, especially when, when I went to like, um, started going to the different wrestling camps, you could look around and you could see the four or five guys that everybody was looking up to. And those are the four out of like the 40 or 50 people there. And they were, you know, lights ahead of that, light years ahead of everybody there. So you start to think to yourself, okay, what, what do those guys have that I don't? Um, what do I need to make better? What do I need to improve upon myself to, um, uh, to get ahead? And so when you start out in a small town, that's, that's important, right? You, you know, there's a lot of people in your area that are going to know more than you that can train you. Um, but to really know what you need, blossom to the fullest extent, you really got to get out there. You really got to get in the road and see other things. Um, and a lot of times, like sometimes you just got to move. You just got to pick up and move in another place. And a lot of the guys I know in the dojo, they have done that, right? It's to pick up your life and go to a different, move across the country for it. So you can set up shop and train and move ahead. But yeah, I think it's just, it's getting over the hurdle of finally it, it, it's yeah. Cause you're going to meet a lot of people. You're going to go on the road a lot, but just finally getting that, that spot somewhere, that opportunity, that kind of break the moment for me, that was at the monster factory. So it, you know, the first like 10 years I was doing it, you know, I was kind of working on and off. I was a referee. I was training as a wrestler, um, working spots here or there for about a three or four year period. I was kind of a little bit out of it. Um, and then when I turned 30, I was really getting back into it. And I tell my buddy, Mark House, who is always, I mean, I grew up with him. I went to a TNA gut check together. We've been up and down the road together. He brought me to Canada with him, you know, in the pre-COVID times when we could cross the border. <laughs> um, and so I just going up and down the road with him. Uh, and he's the one that kind of directed me to the Monster Factory. I said, hey, man, you know, I got to get back in this. I got to start doing this. Went to a camp, uh, cut a promo in front of Danny Cage. And he said, yo, come here more often. You should be here. And then I just kept driving there every five, five and a half hours away every other week for better part of two years and never missing a show. And then out there, I was able to catch a break, you know, really develop the character even more so and make the connections that I needed to in Ring of Honor. So, yeah, just persevering, keep going through until learning what you can um, 
and keep going till you get that break, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, Carl has a full-time regular job, right? And then you're, yeah. you're going and traveling and do this on, on the weekend. Um, you know, I, I'll speak for myself. Like, I love doing this podcast. Um, it's a driving force. It's, it's a great thing uh, for me to do, but I can do it in my house and I don't have to drive five and a half hours to do anything. So for you to have that drive to drive five and a half hours every weekend um, is a lot. So I guess what is the, what's the motivation for you to do that? Like, what do you, what do you want to get out of wrestling? Like, what do you, what, what's your motivation to keep going to these shows? Do you want to, yeah. What, what's your, what's your, where's your motivation at? So, um, well, my buddy, well, my buddy, Brian Plunkett, um, I used to drive, but he lives out in Buffalo area. So I used to drive back and forth with him for at least half the time. Uh, I think he had a bit of an injury for a bit. So I think towards the back half, I was going by myself a little bit, but so driving with him, getting to ride the road with him, that was a lot of fun. I used to look forward to those trips, right? Cause you get to see your buddy again, you know, and you get to ride the road with him. For me, um, when I would go to these camps or seminars at different places, I'd cut a promo uh, in ring when we were, we were working on promos. And I would just look at the faces of the people I'm cutting the promos in front of. Like my buddy Mark would say, is it's like, when people look at you when you first show up, it looks like, what, what is this kid doing here? And then as soon as you cut a promo, everybody's like, oh, <laughs> I get it. And so, um, and just by doing that, you know, there's a, a thought that I could really make some money someday in doing this. And I mean, that kind of got proved by, you know, going to the Monster Factory and, you know, being able to just have a kind of a spot down there. Um, and be able to work on my craft and develop that. Uh, and then finally, you know, I, I did a couple of Ring of Honor tryouts. I did one tryout at the dojo in Philadelphia before they moved over to Baltimore, did another tryout in the, uh, Baltimore. And all those were really positive experiences for me. The first time I'll never forget this is in Philadelphia and BJ Whitmer, um, who was amazing as, a, you know, he was a trainer there for a little bit before um, he left Ring of Honor. And I really enjoyed being around him. He's, he's a great guy, uh, but he, um, he was sitting next to me when I cut my first promo at the, at the camp there. And he looks at me and said, brother, there's nothing I can tell you that'll make that better. And I was like, wow. Like <laughs> BJ Whitmer just told me like that, that promo was fantastic. Um, and then Ian Riccoboni, he's one, the one that kind of leads the promos at the ring of honor uh, tryouts. And so I was able to start a relationship with him and he's been kind of a mentor to me throughout the process. I mean, when I was cutting my promos on Instagram for the Monster Factor, I always tag him on there and um, ask for his advice. And he was always a great mentor for me along the way. Um, so I say just the fact that when I was doing my promos, like locally, it, you know, it was kind of a, you get that kind of shock and awe look. And then when I moved on, you know, to the Monster Factory and then the Rumor Bonner tryouts, I, I was still kind of getting that kind of reaction and, and pop in the room and then being able to develop those relationships like with, with Ian Riccoboni in particular, like that was, that, that was the motivation for us. Like, okay, I might be able to do something here. Right. So, um, and, uh, building off that, you know, was a uh, Bill DeMont was a trainer at one of the monster factory camps I went to, and he said something that's always stuck with me. It's just, you know, get what you want out of this. Like if you're a dude that wants to work an indie show, like once a month or, you know, um, you know, in your hometown and that's all you want. That's all you want. And you're having a great time and you're getting booked and you're, and you're doing this and that. That's awesome. That's good. Go do that. Be that person. Right. 
you know, um, and if you want to try to go for it all, then go on the road and, and run for it and, and, and do that. Everybody's going to want to try to get different things out of there. Um, and over my time at, you know, uh, between Monster Factory now and the Ring of Honor Dojo and traveling up and down with Ring of Honor, it's just like, I'm going to try to make a run for this. I think I can, there, 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 there's potential for me to really um, get myself out there and it's, I'm still on the upswing, right? So it just felt, it just feels like I've just been taking nothing but steps forward for the past few years and hopefully that continues and I can entertain people uh, <laughs> for years to come, right? So, <laughs> so um, for someone who hasn't seen your work on the mic, what would you say, is there someone who you would compare yourself to or you, 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 your own unique entity that's been nothing like you? I mean, for someone who's new, who's hearing about you for the first time, from this interview, what would you say is your style? So, you know, when I'm on the microphone, I get a little Joe Pesci and I talk like a little bit like this, you know, with a little bit lazier of an accent that kind of develops, you know, and, and going to different things. And really that helps me. Uh, somebody told me it was not, you know, what you say, but how you say it, right? And so having that accent, I can hit words different ways. I can mispronounce certain words, have people call me out on that. Um, and there's a lot of different things you try to emulate, right? You never want to copy a character, but you want to take bits and pieces from different characters. So, you, you know, I've been watching a lot of the old Raws recently. So you watch like Bobby the Brain Heenan and Johnny Polo, right? They're, they're you know, big managers at the time, right? Um, and the energy that a Johnny Polo has, that, that, that was fantastic. He's always just screaming. And it, it, didn't, it didn't look out of place, but it looked great. So you try to capture that. With Bobby the Brain Heenan, it's more that kind of, um, that aspect where, he will make somebody else look foolish, but then it turns around and makes himself even look more foolish, right? So it's that thing where, yeah, he's got one up on you, but he always leaves something where you go over at the end and, and that type of that quick wit uh, aspect of it where he can keep responding. And even outside of that, um, like I remember watching like Star Wars Rebels and there's that pirate character Hondo. And he, he, that, that little thing I take away from him was, you know, if you kind of turn your back on him, like he's proud of you because he would do that type of thing and try to incorporate that care, that aspect in there. So if somebody is acts dirty to me or betrays me, like I'd appreciate that act like, okay. And that just gives that character different uh, dimensions. Right. And that's what you're always looking for. You're always looking forward to evolve the character. Like Jason, you were saying like those better Saul call, better call Saul commercials, a little, a little bit different of a tenor than what you're used to with like angry Rocco, if you will. But um, that's just more of an introduction to the character. But I think I'll get there at some point and it's going to build to that because at some point somebody's going to piss me off, right? And then that becomes real, right? And so if I'm kind of happy and kind of, oh, okay, and very gracious and cordial and flattering, and then all of a sudden I come out there and I'm just off my rocker berating somebody, you feel that. It's like, oh, okay, this is a thing here, right? So... Um, but yeah, it's, it's more or less, you know, it's, it's a Joe Pesci kind of a good fellow, Joe Pesci, good fellow type of a vibe. Um, I, I don't like to pigeonhole myself into like an Italian stereotype because that's been done a lot before and it's been done well, uh, by a lot of different people. I don't get me wrong. Um, and if, you know, if that's why people want to, you know, phrase me and see me, that's fine. Uh, cause I, I do have that, you know, Brooklyn style type of accent, you know, and I, I kind of wear that, you know, the, the old, uh, beater type of hat, whatever that, whatever the heck you call that. Um, but really it's just, it's just a constant involving the character is what you're looking for. Right. And just trying to take these different elements from different things. This is a, kind of a serious question here. You know, as we see all of these companies right now through the pandemic have been stuck basically in one spot, you know, AW has been in Jacksonville and WWE is basically in Orlando. 
And apparently it looks like, you know, Ring of Honor has been mostly in Maryland. Do you have a fear when everything gets back to normal, when they do touring, they may not use some of the same people who they've been using because they've been in one central location throughout this whole entire situation? Is that like, you know, a little bit of a fear that things could change or, or just no, I, mean, punches? I, I mean, things could always change. I mean, there's a bunch of UK guys. We got Joe Hendry and Mark Haskins who we haven't seen in a while. And, I, you know, I, I miss those having those guys run. Those are, those are great guys to have in the locker room. Um, but you, you, so, you know, when, when the world opens up, you're, you're going to have more talent coming back in and out. But there's always an influx of talent. Like uh, even now, you know, with uh, violence uh, uh, unlimited, right? We, Homicide and Chris Dickinson just came aboard, right? So they're, they're brand new. Um, the, you know, us dojo guys, you got um, Eric Martin, Primal Fear, Ken Dixon, Joe Keys. Um, Dante Caballero, myself, I, I, you know, uh, we, we're all coming up new. Um, and there's a, even there, there, there's new characters. Um, Max Tim Taylor, I think we just came out with Amy Rose. Yes, yes. Uh, can you guys hear me now? Yeah, you're back. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah, I, I saw that little, uh, vi- that little backstage vignette uh, yeah. thing that, that uh, oh. Quinn did with. with yeah. Oh, Max, Max is great. Yeah. And so, and I uh, just, and I, I don't want to slip it. It's, um, it's, it's they is the pronoun that okay. um, uses. So just make sure. I, if I slip up, I apologize. I don't want to. I, I don't want to. I want to say the wrong thing for that. Um, but yeah, Max Gray, and then um, O'Shea uh, for um, uh, STP there. So we've, we we do have a lot of new talent coming in, right? Um, Dutch just joined us for um, Vince's group, The Righteous. Uh, he's a big, scary-looking dude. I, I'm looking forward to, you know, getting, you know, <laughs> thrown around by him. by him. Oh yeah. So, I uh, know he's a really nice guy to talk to, and you know, Mike Bennett and Maria came back, and um, you know, they've been great locker room um, uh, help. They, you know, they're just backstage, you know, sitting in gorilla position, and they're always giving people advice on their matches and so forth, and very, very super helpful. So, I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of talent that's already come in and out. Um, so it's not really. Um, I think, and I don't, I don't want to not mention, mention Sledge. He'll be mad at me if, if he sees it. Unless he says I don't mention <laughs> But, you know, there's a lot of talent that have been coming in and out, and that's always been throughout the time. So, uh, and a lot of it's, it's, it's on you, though, too, right? You got to keep making yourself better, keep pitching ideas. Um, like, like with me personally, like I, I've just cycled through so much different type of gear I've had. And finally, I just balled out, bought some, like, $1,000 suits and so something nice to wear out there, right? Because... Uh, and that's for me personally, like where it's just like I look at all this other this amazing, fantastic gear that everybody else has, and I just compare myself to that. It's like when they finally put me out there, I don't want to be embarrassed, you know, going and I don't want to walk out there with somebody and have them be embarrassed they had me there. So I want to go make myself look as nice as possible. And so finally, I came to that revelation. I was talking to Ryan Gimley, who's uh, one of the head production managers, and he's been a great help and a great influence on me over time. And so just bouncing ideas off of him. Um, but it's really just networking, bouncing ideas, keep improving yourself. Right. So that's really not a fear. Um, and if that's something that you're afraid of, you just got to keep finding ways to make yourself better. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a competition. It's as much as it is a business, a workplace, when we are working together, you you are competing for that spot in that air time. So, um, yeah, I mean, that is, that can be a concern, but I mean, yeah, it's not, not, not nothing that. I don't think anybody's concerned about you do what you can. And, sure. and besides like a lot of the guys, you know, you, you it's, in, it's independent wrestling. So there you're getting bookings elsewhere and things yeah. like that. So people popping up all over the place. So, yeah. So I have a question about the 
production during the pandemic. Um, Ring of Honor was dark for a while, uh, as was a lot of places. And you guys kind of came back, uh, did the pure tournament, which I bet I think was one of the best things on television wrestling wise so uh, last year. <laughs> And, um, I, you know, we were going to try to have you on before, but you're like, I don't want to give away any secrets, yeah, but now pretty know. much, but now pretty much it's over, right? You guys are going to be yeah. back to live and stuff like that. So, uh, do you talk us through how that all worked from the production standpoint? I know you guys had to like be in a hotel and you had to be yeah. tested a bunch. So talk us through, through that part and then how you were involved in terms of production and things like that. Cause I'd always see you giving the water to those guys at the end of the yeah, matches. So it's so really, I mean, the front office was extremely concerned with our safety during the whole thing, right? Cause it, you know, we're putting the stuff on and they're the ones that, you know, are hosting it, allowing it to happen. Um, and so they wanted to make sure that we were as safe as possible. And they kind of, they, they've constantly reinforced that. And that's working with the Maryland state uh, commission um, and making sure that we're following all the protocols and making sure that everything's safe as possible. Uh, we, the first bubble, the ROH bubble uh, started in August. And so as we got down there, like the restrictions tightened over the wintertime as it got, you know, as, as the pandemic picked up and got worse. And then over time, it, it really fit the situation. So sometimes when you went down there, you were getting COVID tested every day. Other times you were just getting COVID tested a couple of times during the week. And really it was um, an effort, a combined effort between the commission and the front office of reviewing the guidelines and determining what would, um, how they can make things as safe as possible for us. So you go down. So before you even go down there, you get tested, right? So they send you a test in the mail and then you would get uh, tested on, on a zoom call to make sure that you're good to go down there. Um, <clears throat> and then once that you say, okay, negative, we're good to go. Um, you travel down there and then you go to your hotel room and you're kind of in isolation for a day. So for example, if we're filming for the week, um, I would travel down there on a Saturday, kind of chill in the hotel room on a Sunday by myself. Everybody's their own hotel rooms, right? Uh, and then, and once you get to the hotel room, you're only allowed to go to, like, to the arena and then back. That's it. Like, and so um, <clears throat> there's, um, they, they would have people deliver food. So there's Grubhub. They had a thing where the Grubhub would deliver it and the, uh, the person at the front desk working would do, take the food up to your room for you. So it was, it was really just uh, all tightened down, making sure it was safe as possible. Then the Monday comes up and everybody gets COVID tested on that Monday. And that was always fun to see because some, depending on who was doing it, sometimes it would be like harder than others. So you could always see like the dudes walking back and just the first ones, if they were like crying and had tears in their eyes, like, oh man, this is going to be a rough <laughs> test day. And sometimes they're cool. It's like, oh, okay, this one's going to be not as bad. So you always like to see that there. Um, but after a while, like I think after like the third or fourth bubble, you just got used to the It's like, all right, you know what? Um, and then at, at the arena, it was, um, go to the arena and it, it was very surreal and very different getting into it because for a regular show, right. Call time is going to be like what, two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Everybody comes in there working on the mats and everybody's backstage in the locker room at the same time. You know, bell time is going to be seven o'clock. We all go out there do the show and then come back. Right. Um, but for this time it was all spaced out during the day. So we would start at like nine or 10 o'clock in the morning and we'd run till eight o'clock at night. And um, only the guys that were, um, so like the, the guys would be there like at, only when they were needed to, right? So they would have different shifts. So it was as a few people in the building as, as possible as needed, right? We all had to wear masks when we were walking around there. Um, and, um, and they had hand sanitizer everywhere um, and just to make sure that, you know, everybody's safe and all that. Um, and then it was, for, for the ring itself, right? 
we had to change out the canvas uh, after every match. So every match had a new canvas. So we had to go in. Um, and, and that's why ring crew was, it was long hours. It was a tough day. Right. And so you would go there and the match was over with everybody would run out there and pull the canvas off, you know, spray it down go and have it dry out. And then we use it the next day. So we disinfect it and have it go sit up, sit out. And then the next day we'd have there. So we have always like, you know, 12 or 13 canvases under the ring, put a new one on there uh, <clears throat> and so forth. Um, and, and so, uh, and d- d- when we were doing the streaming events, uh, that was even quicker. Like we would get that down to a science. It would take us like maybe like three to four minutes to change over a whole canvas. We had the whole crew work and it was super quick. Right. Um, and they were really proud of that, that we were able to get that down and everything. And it was, it, it really did just get to a science and, and how good we were able to do it. Um, the, the one interesting thing though, is that the first day, it was the very first day of the first bubble we're out there. And the first match was, uh, Jay Lethal versus Dalton Castle. That was the first pure match that we filmed that day. Uh, and Jay was, uh, I was sitting in Gorilla and Jay said something along the lines of, you know, there's, there's just no energy here right now. And I, that was, that was nailed the, uh, hammer, nailed the nail on the head, right? Because, you know, there's a sense of adrenaline. There's like a baseline adrenaline you get when you walk through the curtain, there's people there, right? So, yeah. and that you kind of ride that energy, you feed off of that energy. Also, you're kind of also doing it at nighttime. This is 10 o'clock in the morning. Wow. No people in the crowd. You're just walking out to nobody. So like if you walk out the entrance, you usually play into different people. You at least have somebody to feed off. And sometimes you can, you just play into the crowd as a whole. Maybe you find somebody and you're working with, you're working off of them. But yeah, just going out there. And of course the match was fantastic. It's Jay Lethal versus Dolphin Castle. Yeah, can't go wrong, right? <laughs> Those yeah. guys are going to put on a banger every time. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was just a surreal moment. And we got used to it as we, and we, you know, we got better with it as we're going along and it just became more of the same. Um, the really cool part, the, the, there are some good parts to that though, in the fact that there's no spoilers, which is really cool because, you know, we don't sure. do anything live typically, like I said, the, the live events, but t- so typically we're on the road, um, we'll film for four weeks, right? Uh, we'll do like a live event on one night and then we'll film TV for, for the next month. And so everybody kind of knows what's going to happen on the TV, but now nobody knows. Like we know because we're in there. And honestly, yeah. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I forget because like we're working, we're doing so much during the day. It's like, I see a match. I'm like, Oh man, okay. I forget who won this one. Okay. Yeah, I'll sit down and watch that. Right? <laughs> and like, Oh, what, what happened here? Right. Um, but so that's kind of the benefit of it. Also um, we had that awesome new set with, uh, with, with the padding and, and the guardrails and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, and it's a much cleaner, more professional look. And I, we, we love it a lot. It's much easier to set up than the old, like, um, the black mats and the steel guardrails we used to have. And those, yep. um, those ancient signs, <laughs> those metal ring of honor signs, those were like rough because like th- those were really jagged edges. So if you forgot to wear a pair of gloves doing ring crew, like you had to be really careful how you lifted those. Because it was oh, those 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 things could uh, those, those could bite you, um, but yeah no it was uh, but it, it, having that new setup and being able to experiment with that right and that, I think that was uh, we we had a lot of time to do that because it was an entire new setup and so if we're going on the road and if, if we had did that the first time on a road like in a venue you know it would have been chaos and madness like you have six hours to set up this whole thing with the pressure of the fans coming in right yeah um, but the first time we set that up we had a whole day, like the, the, the day before we did the film to kind of set it up and tinker around with it and make sure it was all nice. And then even, and then really just have multiple bubbles to really perfect that setup. And so when we finally do go on the road, 
I think it's going to be much easier to, to, to set everything up. Um, and, and the one nice thing about that new setup is um, it, it doesn't really um, correspond well to like the smaller like venues, like smaller theaters we usually yeah. do. Um, and some of the smaller theaters are great, but there is one in Atlanta and uh, that we that we do. And the uh, it, it's literally ring crew uphill both ways. Like it's so it, it's so difficult because you load in through a parking garage, but there's this vent that comes down like over the main path there. Yeah. So you have to go down a ramp and then up another ramp to go in the building. So it's it's and then if you're ever in Atlanta in the summer after the sun goes down it's 11 o'clock at night, it's still 92 degrees out. And you don't know why it's 92 degrees out because there's no source of heat. There's no source of light. Why am I still like sweltering in this? Right. Um, so it'd be nice if we could kind of, you know, phase those out a little bit, like the, the, the small arenas are nice. And, you know, it, it's the small theaters. I think when we do Sam's town, it's got kind of like a, over in Las Vegas, which is always a fun time. That's kind of a small theater type of feel right to it, but it's not as miserable to kind of load in and out of, but yeah. So if we could, <laughs> that's interesting. If you travel around the country, you know, like there are some venues that are amazing. I what think places are good and what places are. Yeah. I think there's a place in Charleston. I think it's in Charleston that we go into and it's this, it's a place where they also do like a car show. So we can literally drive the entire ring truck into the building. And it just sets behind like our set there because it's just yeah. a wide open area. So it's wonderful. You don't have to worry about rain or whatever. Like you just, and the truck is right there. So you just, you're just taking things back and forth. You do ring, entire ring crew's done with a smile on your face. It's beautiful. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> now, Carl, the other thing I think that's been really, really interesting is Ring of Honor's show itself. Um, I've, now you're a Ring of Honor guy right you're at the dojo so yeah. I, I don't want to sit here and bash ring of honor at all but okay. uh i've been a, <laughs> i've been a ring of honor fan for a long time um yep. Corey knows this um i probably wasn't watching as much with the seth rollins cm punk because they weren't they just weren't like on tv like that but um i started watching them a lot during the kevin the kevin steen slash kevin okay. owens era um, yeah. And that was the era I really watched, and they were just fantastic shows. Um, and I think it's been interesting over, you know, the last since the pandemic, the show seems to have a real like rhythm, and you know, like the backstage vignettes are awesome, setting up the matches, getting guys' personality over. It just seems to have so much of a good flow, and I, I and I've told Corey this. You know, I think it may have been the most consistently quality, maybe other than like NXT, but the most consistently quality TV show of the year last year. I just thought they were great. Now, you know, you're not front office, so you might not. But if do you have any, I don't know, what do you think the the change, what do you think the reason for the change was? Because the show is just, way different than what it used to be say like a year or two ago i mean in my opinion i think it's the leadership in the locker room um there's multiple people like it's such a good environment to be around um and there's so many people like you, you know just name it like matt taven dalton shane taylor uh you know mike ben and rick else like and I, i'm forgetting a bunch but like you know those are all people like hey do you got a minute hey i want to run something by you like Beer City Brews or Brian Mills and other guys I've run ideas, bounce ideas off of. 
like there's such strong leadership in that locker room and it's such a it's such a nice environment to work in and you know it's uh, it's a place where we're all learning together and you can go you know bounce ideas and, and learn more and I think that that contributes a lot to it yeah. um you know uh then you know and also like I, it almost feels like kind of we're coming to the end of like almost like a, almost like a rebuilding period here like yeah. we got like 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 our tops like if you look at our top stars before the pandemic versus now like now Jonathan Gresham is a world leader right yeah. like he's in there and you know oh the sky's the limit for him my god the things he can do in the ring and finally he's getting that platform he's the pure champion right yeah. um and the group that foundation that that whole group right is it, it, super solid I'm glad that Rhett Titus is getting showcased now as a tag team champion he's super good in there and, and Rhett and Tracy is a tag team my goodness yeah. um and then, but even like the Shane Taylor promotions, that entire group, like Shane Taylor is finally getting, you know, getting his top tier status. Yeah, Corey, right? Corey's so, a really big fan of Shane Taylor's as, uh, as, as am he, I. As yeah, as you, you were both correct. You know, he's great. And, but SOS, you know, those are guys that I was in the dojo with together, you know, Khan and Moses. And those are, I, I love those guys. <laughs> it was that it was a future of honor show. And uh, the initial plan was for me to tag team with who I was managing time against SOS. And I was so excited. I was like, Oh man, I get to go get my butt kicked by SOS is going to be so good. I'm going to make those guys look so good. <laughs> and it didn't happen. That match kind of fell apart. Um, but so, I mean, you know, they, those guys look, just look like killers out there in the ring. Yeah. It's amazing. It's the presentation they have there and now add no shade to the group. Right. Um, and uh, then Brian Johnson, man, like, I can't say enough about that guy. The he's Mecca. Probably, yeah. And honestly, he's probably one of the, one, one of the hardest working men in the business just, and uh, you know, uh, cause he was, had a ring crew after, you know, after I got my travel from the dojo, he was the one who was heading up ring crew. And that's when I started flying around the country and doing ring crew everywhere. So probably I did the tryout in 2018 when they told me, okay, you're, you're in the dojo now you can start coming around, you can start training here and so forth. And so at the end of that year and in 2019, that's when I started going, uh, 2019, I flew around the country for every show, right? Uh, I was, I was doing that. And I just watching Brian Johnson of how to, uh, just have that ambition and hard work and drive, uh, that, that taught me a lot of, of how I should have that ambition and hard work and drive in the oh. business. And it's so good to see, like, everybody's just so happy for him right now. And I don't, you know, uh, just, just because he's finally getting an opportunity to go out there and show the world how good he really is. And he, yeah. like, his promo is almost second to none right now, I'd have to say. It's fantastic, yeah. right? No, you've yeah, definitely had some people who have really stood out during this pandemic in Ring of Honor, and, and he is definitely one of them. Um, you know, I think there was a period where, when the elite was really there, you know, Cody, the Bucks or whatever. I think, you know, they were the stars of the show and I think they were clearly the stars of the show, but I think what Ring of Honor is doing is now they're highlighting a lot of different people. You're seeing a lot of different, you know, Dak Draper, Eli Isom, you know, so it's, 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 it's awesome seeing that, you know, guys get different opportunities and getting different runs. So I'm excited to see what, what happens. All right. So, uh, last thing for me, what does the future hold for Rocco? Like, what are you, what are your, have they said, Hey, we got these things we want you to do. Is it kind of, you're just going to keep grinding and seeing what happens. Is there anything that that's coming up that we should know about? My goodness. If I give away all the secrets and you ain't going to watch, it's no good. <laughs> I can't do that. Oh no. Why do you want me to spill all the beans here? No. <laughs> um, 
No, I I don't know that there's a specific roadmap in mind right now. Um, but they know that they want to want to develop my character, and I, I think they've liked the the pre tapes. And there's a bunch of pre tapes that haven't made it out there yet. So there's a bunch of stuff that I filmed backstage. Um, I think it's putting me in the right situation. I'm very grateful that they haven't rushed me into anything, right? Because, uh, you know, if I get rushed into a situation just because they want to throw me out there, right, then that could fall apart, right? You don't, you want to make sure that it's the right situation where, you know, somebody that I can correspond well with, right? And I can help put that person over and that person, um, we can grow together. But right now, I think it's just introduction to the character, right? And I think that's very important because, if I'm around for a bit and you see me and like, okay. And now it's almost like, okay, they've been building this character for a while. Now that when I actually walk out with someone, like that's going to draw your eye to that person. Be like, oh, wow, that person's with Rocco. Like this, this is, this, this person's a thing because they wouldn't put this person with Rocco if, you know. And so, and so I think the development of that character is very important in that aspect because it's an easy right away that you're going to be intrigued by that person. Right. And what we can do together. So um, I don't know yet. Um, I, I think, I've heard I've heard some different things, right? Um, I think they're having fun trying to think on where they're going to put me. So I, I think I think it's a it's a fun topic of discussion. I hope it is. <laughs> um, but no, right now I'm just you know showing up, you know, doing ring crew, doing you know doing the tapings that they let me do, um, bouncing ideas off of the, the camera crew, bouncing ideas off the trainers and the bookers. And- um, so before I just want to quickly say what you said about like. Uh, Brian, uh, the stuff that I'll be honest, it's not my time of com- comedy. I didn't expect to enjoy stuff he's been doing with Dan Housen. I think that's actually turned out to be one of the more Dan entertaining things. Yes. <laughs> I love, but anyway, I thought Dan Housen, when I first saw him, I'm like, the this guy, this is such world. a, this is the dumbest gimmick ever. I freaking love him. Like, oh, yeah. he is so clever and funny. Like, he's Here's great. The thing, like, um, an empty arena really hurts Dan Housen. So think about how much you love Dan Housen right now. You will love him that much more when there's an audience to play off. Like half his shtick he does, he does interaction with the crowd and the crowd plays off him. I think that's why he just get his grown his brand so much is because the crowd loves interacting with him during the match. So if you love him in an empty arena, yeah. you're gonna gush over him once we get fans back and he's able to interact with the people and all that. So yeah, no. yeah, he's uh. uh He's kind of ROH's version, kind of, at least I'm thinking he's going to be kind of like what Orange Cassidy is in, in AEW, that guy that we're not sure why we love, but once you start watching, you can't take your eyes off him, and the crowd's just going to oh, eat up yeah. his, uh, his entertainment. Absolutely, yeah. No, and um, yeah, and it's just, it, it was, I think the, the Brian Johnson and Dan Housen, I think they helped really help the development of both characters, you know, going through, right? So, um, but yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I got no complaints about how what we're doing right now. Right? I think um, just 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 on the the style of the product, what I really like, what I think the the pure matches, I think it actually helps be in an empty arena because you almost have like a tennis match type feel, right? Where you're sitting there and you got the rope breaks on the screen, you got the timer there, and it's just and you're watching like a competition. Like it's just it's it's just so the presentation of it is so cool, and like I'm looking forward to getting fans back. We can't wait to get fans back. July 11th over uh, for Best in the World. It's gonna be great. So yeah, Best in the World, July 11th. There you go. Uh, <laughs> there's a plug. Um, uh, but yeah, I can't wait to get fans back. But like that, those pure rule matches. It's just such a unique element having it with no fans in the arena where you're watching. A formal competition. I'm going to have a cup of tea. Yeah, it, it, it's it's almost kind of like I don't know if you guys watch uh, watching the UFC while during the beginning of the pandemic, 
where you're able to see these matches where all, there was nobody there except the coaches. So you almost got a better understanding of how like mixed martial arts and like with the pure style, how things go with to be able to just focus in and just forget about everything around. And you almost learn a little bit more about the wrestling business and the MMA business by having to actually concentrate on something. I and mean, of course yeah. having fans back is going to be great. Uh, but uh, I felt more like, I, I think for me, especially with the pure stuff in particular, and it, it felt more like a sport. Like it didn't yes. feel like, right. you know, like, you know, re- scripted wrestling. It felt like, like a sport. I, I, I thought it was just, I thought it was just awesome. I, right. I thought it and, was just a fantastic and you, tournament. And you, you got a guy like Jonathan Gresham, who's your champion, who just enforces that more because he's yeah. an athletic beast and he can move around the ring like nobody else. Right. Yeah. And so, and so it's, 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 it looks real, it looks believable. And it's, it's just a different style that it's, it's something unique that we have. And I, that's really important to have nowadays. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, just one other thing, at least from my top, one of the things you've mentioned a lot in, in this interview is putting other guys over, doing what's best for the business, you know, trying to go and realizing you're, you may not be the focus at that moment. But how hard is it as for something that you want to be a star, that you want this to be your living, to go and kind of take your ego and put it, in, put it aside when, you know, you know that right now you're not the main attraction or what everybody's the, the focus right now. Is it hard to go and kind of, you know, realize that you're there to make other people look good instead of like maybe making yourself the center of attention at the moment? No, not at all. Um, I think the way you get yourself over is by getting other people over, right? So that's what's going to get my character over is if I can get other people over, like when I'm cutting a promo, um, my main objective is to get my opponent over, not the guy I'm managing, but get the opponent over, right? Uh, It's it's that thought process where, and because that only does you favors. So if I, if I bash the dude that or lady that we're going to be facing, right. Um, and if we lose now, the person I'm managing looks awful. Right. And if we win, why do I care? This person was awful. You just beat a nobody. Like why do I care about you? But if you put that person over, then that just works. Cause if we win, it's just like, Oh man, we just beat this high quality caliber athlete. And if we lose, well, I told you so, you know, how are you going to do this? Oh my God, nobody can beat this person. Right. Um, so, uh, and that's how I look at it. But, and so if I can put other people over and I'm focused on getting other people over, you know, that's going to make other people want to work with me. That's going to make me more usable. That's going to, that's going to essentially get me over. That's going to put me in the title, title spots, the main event spots. Right. Um, so I don't look at that. The, the challenge I look at it as like, how am I going to get this person over? Right. I don't look at it as kind of a, you know, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to get myself over in this? Because, you know, even like there, there's a meme going around on Twitter where it's just like the dude looking in the mirror, this tweet's not about you, but I, you make it about you. I don't know if you've seen that before, but, and if you think about it, like, if you're trying to go out there and you're constantly trying to push your brand on something that does no good. Um, it's because you're not interacting with anybody. But when I go over on Twitter and, you know, when I say, cause I live stream the watch parties, ROH watch parties every Monday night at seven. So I will be live, live tweeting with those. Um, so if, if you're doing the ring of honor, it's, it's, we, we uh, do the watch party for the weekend, um, uh, the, the show that aired in the weekend. So hop on like a lot of people um, uh, with ring of honor will be tweeting during that. Uh, and uh, so it's just like, how can I put this person over? Like, so, um, with Amy Rose, right. I, I think I mentioned something where, um, on the, on the recent episode, it was a pure rule title match. Right. 
where um, an LFI couldn't grab the tag rope, right? And they just weren't doing it. And so the tweet I put out there is like, Amy Rose, my God, they, they're lost without you. This is causing me severe anxiety, right? And I just put her over. And so now she's going to share that out there. And that's going to be an important, you know, uh, that, that tweet. So that's out there. And that kind of feeds into her powers. It, it kind of tells that story that, you know, emphasizes, well, they don't have a manager anymore. Maybe if Amy was out there, they would have known better to, to grab the tag rope in a, in a pure rules match where they're usually not in. And they're out of their element a little bit. Um, same thing like with Rhett Titus, like, especially if you have a character right now, he's trying to get over himself and he's the professional, right? So it's just like, wow, that man's a professional. Every time he's like, try to get that over, right? Um, but yeah, whoever's on TV, whether, you know, Brian Johnson, you know, Beth Draper, Eli Isom, just how can I, how can I put this person over? Even like Ian and Caprice. Uh, like I, I, I love listening to the commentary and because Caprice has some gems from time to time. Down the day, and I love just catching them. And I'll just, you know, throw them out there. Same thing with Ian. And then he gets into it. They, they do really well there in their position as well, too. Um, so, yeah, it's the challenge for me isn't how am I going to get myself over? But it's like, how am I going to put this person over in a way that I can enhance their character um, and make their give, give their character a shine? Because, you know, in, at the end of it, that's really what's going to help me. So uh, I guess my last thing is before Jay, uh, Jay has anything else is not to give anything away with the future of what could be happening, but who has been the most interesting or best person that you've been able to work with, you know, kayfabe aside for like three seconds here, but who's been the most interesting person to work with so far, either in ROH or in your training? Like what's been the, uh, the, the most uh, interesting person you've met so far? So many people. <laughs> um, like interesting how, like, like unique, like fun, like, very uh, maybe I know you said before, like BJ Whitmer gave you some advice and like, like maybe within Ring of Honor, was there someone who you've done some backstage segment with that maybe is going to air or hasn't aired yet? Or there's like, you know, someone that you've met that just has been surprised you, you know, you know, something like that. Um, well, like, you know, I had like, uh, you know, Matt Taven is always like he, he mentors just about everybody backstage. Right. So there's that. You know, even when he was, you know, uh, world champ for a bit, he would come out and thank the ring crew um, after the show was over. Like, awesome. and so we're all about their bus and our butts. Cause like after, you know, the, the, the wrestlers go away and the, but when you're doing ring crew and the world champion comes out to thank you for what you're doing, it's just like, wow, I want to work here. Right? It's such, so like, so th there's that element to it. Um, and then just, I think working with Dalton Castle has just been like, um, so I think, you know, at some point, everybody's a boy and I was a boy at one point. Right. And when you, um, when you're, when you're going through it, he gets so excited about the choreography and he gets so into it and he's just so happy and enthusiastic. And you're like, wow, this is going to be great. Yes. It's going to be awesome. And then you see the outfit you have to wear. And you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> but like, he's such a showman and just to have that and just be around that and that to, for that to kind of rub off on you and just see that work and, and that close up. Cause I don't know if there's a greater showman than him just with what he does and the dancing and, you know, just the out there. And it's, um, so, and I, I think I'm just, you know, I, I'm probably omitting a ton of people. Um, but, and, you know, just, yeah, like I said, you know, Brian Johnson, you know, he's just uh, the hardest working guy. Dak Draper, I've talked to a bunch. Uh, he's, he, he's a funny guy, um, you know, and, you know, Quinn McCabe talked to a bunch, you know, backstage, um, you know, kind of helping get the character out, bouncing ideas off of her. Uh, uh, she's great to work with, too. And I think she's someone that 
hopefully it'll be really fun to work with because I think with her, I could really do that you know, the Bobby, the brain gorilla dynamic where yeah. like, I'm just making myself look foolish and because she's got that intelligence, you know, persona. Right. So I can, I can lob, lob up some softballs just to make her look really good. And just kind of just, and me just be that aloof, like, ah, this is so great. Like, <laughs> um, so, but yeah, just working with so many people and I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm leaving out a bunch of things I'm yeah. getting, but yeah. So, well, Carl, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, okay. So now's the time to put all your stuff over. So tell us what you're doing. Tell us about the stream again. Tell us about your Instagram, your Twitter, all that stuff. Okay. So first of all, ring of honor. So, um, Monday nights we do a, uh, we, we do a live watch along at seven o'clock. So it'll be that weekend's episode. And, uh, so go on to it's, it's on the ROH website. So go on to the ROH website, probably about like 6.58, 6.59. You go hit the play button and follow along on Twitter. Same thing on Wednesday nights. We have our women's division match on Wednesday night. That's uh, it's usually a quick one. You usually have like a 20-minute segment, like starting at 7. We'll air that live. That's the first time that gets aired. Same thing. We're tweeting live on Wednesday night with the women's division match. Uh, I think this week uh, it was, you know, Angelina Love versus Allie Rex. And, uh, you know, both of those ladies are fantastic. And then Max came out and, you know, ruined some lives. So <laughs> it was, it was, it was good. You know, you got some good stuff there. Um, Best in the world's coming up July 11th. That's going to be in Baltimore. Uh, we got fans there. Our tickets are on sale now. And then we've announced dates in Philadelphia. Uh, it's a weekend of, I think it's August 20th. Let me check the weekend. It's um, now, uh, quick, now Carl, real quick. Um, is the, the uh, show, um, the, the pay-per-view, is that going to be at the same place that the venue's at now where you guys are doing your... Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. So, so it's, it's, it's still in Baltimore. And August 21st, August 20th and 21st, we're going to be in Philadelphia that weekend. Um, so tickets are on sale for that as well. So that's what we got coming up down the pipeline. Um, as for myself, uh, Rocco told you, at Rocco told you so on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, give me a follow, give, like my stuff. Put, put, you, you guys put me over. I need all of you to put me over, right? I'm going to put right. over other people. I need everybody else to put me over. That's, that's what right. I that need. Okay? That's, that's a challenge. All of you all need to put me over. <laughs> and of course, guys, just remember, you can, uh, if you need Rocco, you could go 1-800-ROCCO to uh, yes. find Yes, it's a him. real number. <laughs> we'll be calling that after the show. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I don't know what you'll get. But, uh, you know, you could, like I said before, you could always check out Ring of Honor, look at your local uh, listings, and, of course, on Fight TV. And I can only see good things happening in the future with Rocco, even though I'm stuck with this guy in the corner. But he, he put you over, so I was here to do it as well. So it was really a pleasure having you. Once again, check out Rocco and Ring of Honor everywhere you on YouTube, Fight TV, everywhere else. And, of course, check him out. At Rocco told you so on Twitter, Instagram, and everywhere else. Rocco, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Carl. Thank you for having me. Yep. Hello, friends. Today I have a little story for you. Larry the Caterpillar was climbing up the hill to get to the top to become a beautiful butterfly. And he turns over and sees his friends riding a toad. And they say, Yo, Larry, come here. We're riding this here toad. He's going to hippity hop on the way to the top. Larry looked disgusted that someone would aid him in his quest. Three days later, Larry's friends are beautiful butterflies to the top, and Larry, dead, on the side of the hill, no chance to get his wing. Now you all look like smart individuals, would you rather be a dead Larry, or his friends, who chose the safer and easier route to the top? That's what I thought, 
Come see your boy Waco, that's ROCCO, and I will help you hippity hop your way to the sky. This bothers you so much, you do this now? Hey, really, right now? There's no other time. No, no, you missed the spot. Can, this isn't costing me money. Can, okay, very good. Yeah, come back. 